Hello, agriculturist. I'm your host, Jacob Simpson, and welcome back to a new episode of I Believe TV. Oh my goodness, it has been nearly a month since I have posted an episode, and I truly do apologize for that. It has been a wild month for me. Um, junior year is kicking my rear end. I did not realize how busy I would be with, you know, FFA, football, student council, National Honor Society. Um, home life hasn't really been uh, up to code either. You know, um, I'm asking for prayers for my brother's girlfriend. She lives with us. She has stage four cancer. Um, pretty serious stuff. She's on chemo. So I truly do apologize for everything that's going on um, regarding this podcast. Please don't uh, feel like I'm abandoning you guys. It's not um, the case. It's just life has gotten really busy for me. But besides that, I have really good news. This is the first episode since um, September. So I would like to introduce you guys to JT the Ag Guy. He is an officer of his home chapter from Iowa. And he has a really cool uh, YouTube channel, which I highly suggest you guys listen to. So JT, would you please introduce yourself to everybody on the show? Hi, everybody. My name is JT Thomas. I'm from the Independence FFA chapter from the Great Northeast District in Iowa. Um, I'm currently serving as chapter president. I joined FFA back in 2020, which you can't believe that was almost four years ago. Uh, Jake, I hope uh, the best for your uh, brother's girlfriend and your uh, in our family's prayers. And I completely understand what you're saying. Junior year kicked my butt when I got in there but uh i'll tell you the senior year is a lot easier yeah i, I could tell my buddy uh brandon hamilton i met him at the uh, tulsa state fair last week and he's like dude i feel so bad for you i love senior year <laughs> i'm like i i wish i could say the same thing but i'm not a senior year i'm a junior but anyways <laughs> hey i have a whole bunch of questions for you and i'm super excited um to be asking you these questions and get on the topic that you were asking me earlier so, are you ready? Well, let's do it, Jake. Let's do it. All righty. First things first, what got you to join the FFA? So, um, I've heard some of the other stories you've had on your um, podcast, and it wasn't a bet with, like, a friend of mine or anything like that, um, but mine came from my dad. Um, ever since I was a young kid, he introduced me to tractors, combines, all that kind of stuff. Eventually, that kind of introduced the idea of FFA to me. And he always talked so highly about it all my life. So I thought, oh, I'll join FFA. The one thing I will say, though, is when I got into FFA, I didn't think it was what it was going to be. When I got into it, I thought it was just going to be tractors and combines and, you know, everything about farming. But when I got into it, I really learned the leadership part of it, some giving speeches, stuff that I actually struggled with as a kid, because when I was younger, I was a very... I wouldn't say closed off, but I like to mind my own business. I didn't really like to reach out and talk to people. And somehow FFA has changed it to where I like to talk to people. I like to chit chat a lot. So it came from dad. Mostly he talked about it so highly all of his life. It made me say, Hey, I want to be a FFA. And the other thing that kind of got me into it was uh, farm safety day. It's an event we hold with other uh, FFA chapters and uh, the County extension out here in Iowa. And basically, it's just we teach kids how to be safe on a farm. And when I was in third and fourth grade, I believe, if I remember correctly, um, we went out 
to farm safety day and it was a blast for me because there's everything about tractors combines how to be safe on the farm but the kids there also talked about ffa so i actually get to host it now and help run it so whenever we have downtime with the kids when we're teaching them about farm safety day we try to bring up the subject of ffa because for me and a couple of my buddies in there that's how we also got into it so there's kind of two paths that really made me want to be in it but yeah where to advocate man i like that so Whenever you were younger, what did that uh, Ag Safety Day look like? So um, it's changed a little bit over the years. What it looked like mostly when I grew up is you had grain safety. So they would talk about how to be safe around elevators, gravity wagons, basically don't fall in or you could get sucked into the grain and turns into a bad situation. Um, The other thing they had was just tractor safety. And this is where my group uh, covers but now we do tractor and combine safety because we always had so much time left. Um, then there was electrical safety. They would have like a little mini setup. And the guy basically had um, the wires on the like little, I guess, setup are live. And he had different points of interest he would point to. And he would basically, he had this long rod that would conduct the metal. And basically it would create a spark and he would show you, okay, well, if a tractor hits a power line, this is what's going to happen. Or if you touch power line, this is what could happen. Um, it was low voltage, so it didn't hurt anyone, but it, it gave you a good idea. Um, then they had animal safety, and then that's what I remember, but now they add uh, water safety, stranger safety. It's a couple other extra things added in there, but that's what it mostly was when I was a kid. So this kind of reminds me of a uh, course I was taking for my ag class uh, last month. It's an OSHA uh, 10-hour general ag uh online safety and you know it's 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 kind of boring but at the same time it really taught me so much about um the hazards on a farm or in a a welding shop or such um no i actually passed that pretty good i got pretty good high score on my final test um so that that all that reminds me of that test and i'm actually really glad that you guys are teaching those kids at an early age so now that you're a senior, have you uh, ever had to review any of that? Um, for the most part, our team has been doing it for such a long time. We haven't really had to review it. I mean, we had a meeting the first time I ever did it. And we, we don't, we cover the basics. So don't walk over a PTO while it's driving. Um, the county extension we're very fortunate to work with has some good examples. They have an auger that like part of it, it's not a long auger, but it's just like a little short maybe three foot long auger has a little cutout at the top for a door. And we have a fake rubber handle stick up in there and show kids. Okay. They can drag your arm up into it. Um, for combine safety, it was same thing. Be stay away from belts. Um, stay away from VTO shaft on the front. Um, but for the most part, it's really basic, easy stuff that, um, it doesn't take a lot to remember, but, um, it's it's typically the things that get most guys hurt because they forget about it. So as a team, we haven't really had to review a lot, but we do always talk a little bit about it before we go into it. But I'm sure that OSHA course probably covered a little bit more than what we cover because I'm, I'm assuming with yours, it's talking about operating stuff and working around stuff. We just talk about being around it. So, uh, yeah. That's interesting. I like that. Thank so- you. So what made you choose to stay in the FFA? Um, I would say my ag advisor maybe decided to stay in the FFA. So 
when I joined, which was in 2020, which was basically the year we hardly were able to do anything, um, I went to my ag advisor. I was trying to figure out events I could do, and I signed up for meat judging. And we're like one of the top teams in our state for meat judging. We all we've always scored like top five, but um, unfortunately that event didn't happen. And I was I was bummed because I practiced for it. But due to the coronavirus and all that happening, it just it wasn't going to happen. Um, but my ag advisor came to me and he's like, hey, do you want to do dairy cattle judging? And I'm like, well, I don't know about anything about dairy cows. And he's like, well, you could eat lunch. And I'm like, you know what? Sure, a day off school, I get to go eat lunch somewhere else. I'll, I'll do that. So um, that kind of when I went into dairy judging, I kind of realized, wow, this is more than just animals. This is actually get to talk to people and actually get to understand a little bit more about people because. The thing I've learned, especially being in the ag industry, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. So, I mean, you need to know new things and here and there, but it's having those connections with people, I think, and having my ag advisor show me that, that's what made me stay in FFA. That's actually really funny that you say it's who you know, not what you know. Um, <laughs> my uncle, a few months back, he uh, he showed me this piece of grass. I had no idea what it was. And I'm like, you know what? I know somebody who knows exactly what this is. So I texted my buddy, uh, Tyus Montgomery here in Oklahoma. He's like, I'm like, Hey, do you know what this is? He's like, Oh yeah, that's a mustard plant. I'm like, how did I not know that? Cause it had like a yellow uh, flower on it. And my uncle's like, I should have known that too. But Hey, it, yeah, it's who, you know, it's not what you know. And sometimes who, you know, can teach you all the things that you need to know. That's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. It, yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, it's yeah. I, it, it, I wouldn't have guessed a mustard seed either. I don't even know what a mustard seed looks like or a mustard plant looks like. But yeah, absolutely, I, that's a great example of that. I thought it was pretty funny at the moment. But hey, yeah. least, the more you know, I guess. So what's your favorite part of the FFA? Oh boy, here, that's a tough question. There's a lot, a lot of parts I like about FFA. I would say uh, my favorite part is probably the members and getting to meet people. This past year, I was... Uh, blessed with the opportunity to get a go to WLC shout out to all the uh, fire starters out there or the igniters, you know, it's a little joke we had in our group, but um, yeah, I got to go WLC and getting to make those connections. Uh, Braden, actually the guy who introduced uh, me to you and you to me, um, I met him there and I got to get to know him really well and getting those opportunities to get a talk to different people from different chapters, seeing how they operate things seeing how ag is different in their communities, getting to get those experiences. It's one of my favorite parts about FFA because I've lived in Iowa all my life. I've the only time I've been outside of the Midwest really is when I went to WLC. Besides that, I've been inside the Midwest all my life. Um, so getting those opportunities to talk to other people is very interesting. And it gives you a lot of um, understanding of how vast FFA is and how much, how many people are actually a part of it and like how great of a community it is. And that's what I'm trying to get uh, into people's minds, you know, with this podcast. Um, the th cool thing about this is that I get to talk to people from all over the country. And the farthest I've ever gone to talk to somebody was Hawaii. Now, think about agriculture in Hawaii. You know, you're thinking about coconuts and pineapples. No, it's not all about that. You know, they actually have some of the same techniques that we use here in uh, mainland United States. And I feel like it's pretty interesting how um, different areas of the world – um, cultivate their own crops or use metallurgy to better 
um, use agriculture to their better benefit. And I feel like that, you know, if we uh, can understand each other a little bit better, we could make the world a little bit better of a place. And I feel like it's really cool how um, the FFA really starts where it is um, with us kids. Us kids in the FFA are really the um, the world changers here in this stance because we have no idea what's going to happen uh, five years, ten years, a hundred years from now. It really depends on us because we're the most, um, I guess you could say, understood generation and the most advanced generation yet to come. 100%. And kind of, I've been listening to your podcast a little bit here and there, and it's it's really interesting, but you know, bringing up different um, abilities to talk to people. One thing I learned from um, your podcast was Cajun. So when you, I can't remember who it was, but it was some, I think it was a state officer from Louisiana. You guys were talking about Cajun and it, apparently it's a culture. And I did not know that. I've always thought my entire life Cajun was a seasoning. That was it. <laughs> I've always thought it was just a seasoning people in so the southern states use and that's that's all i ever thought of it i did not know it was connected to people in france i didn't know all of that that was something that blew my mind so yes jillian lance uh she was the one talking about uh cajun culture i remember that um so a cool thing i actually dug deeper into that and um the reason why uh they have cajuns is um france Back then, they gave the choice to prisoners to move here to America uh, with somebody I'm not going to mention about because uh, I don't believe in that stuff. But um, that was their way to get out of prison and have a free life in uh, that territory, you know, uh, the Louisiana Territory. And I feel like that was pretty cool to, to learn about because, uh, you know, Louisiana, New Orleans was under french occupation until 1803 when we bought it uh by the french you know when thomas jefferson uh, made the louisiana purchase so that's really cool and interesting and in, uh in my eyes at least yeah that that is really interesting see that's what i'm talking about it's just i've learned a lot from just you doing this and it's it's cool that you know kids like you and me have the ability to teach and educate people on subjects as cajun is not a seasoning it's actually more than that so yeah yeah, I, I, I like geography. Um, I guess you could say I'm a pretty good nerd at it. Um, I learn random facts about places and people and what they like, what they talk about, um, how they speak. I love geography. It's one of my favorite subjects besides history. Um, but yeah, um, back to my questions. This one's the, uh, the hardest to answer because people don't like it. What is your least favorite thing about the FFA? Oh boy. Okay. So um there's not necessarily a part of FFA I dislike, but um I guess it was something Bray or uh, Braden was talking about when he was on your podcast was the, the it's the whole entire um people think FFA is just farmers, it's a stigma. Oh, it's just farmers and that's it. Um I know when I first got into it, that's all I thought about it. And um, I could not believe when I actually got into it, like how wrong I was about it. I was like, wow, this is more than just farmers. It's people from urban areas, from cities, from different parts of our country. Um, that's, I guess the stigma is the thing I don't like the most because it's just people assume things. And don't get me wrong. FFA has a deep rooted history in farming, but 
if we just stuck with farming, we wouldn't go anywhere. We have to look into agriculture as a whole entire organization because that's everything from farming to processing people's foods to processing people's clothes to doing different things to make sure the final product gets the the consumer. So I would say the stigma is my least favorite. But um, besides that, everything else I love about FFA. I like that answer because um, I forgot who said it, but the FFA is somewhat turning away from the general idea of um, agriculture and it's becoming more of a leadership based organization. Now, don't get me wrong. Leadership is very important in today's world. Um, If you look at our own government, um, I don't like getting political at all, but yeah, I'm going, I'm going to leave it right there. It's very important for us kids to learn about leadership whenever possible. Um, But the FFA is, is kind of turning away from the general idea of agriculture. You know, that's why they started it in 1928. Um, And I feel like we should really get back into it more uh, that we should uh, because it's, it's foundational, it's foundational skills. And those skills are what has kept us alive for the last, I don't know, 5,000 years. um, Um, Farming is just, I feel like it's more important than leadership. If I'm going to say so myself, Um, I wish um, now I like the idea of officers and chapters, state officers, you know, those are, people you can look up to and those people have knowledge that you can uh, get off of, you know, such as myself being the president of my chapter. I love teaching my kids the stuff I know, but sometimes I feel like I can't um, relate to them because they have more knowledge than me. And, you know, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That, uh, Yeah. That might seem the case at most points, but I wish that, you know, we kind of direct ourselves more towards um, the farming aspect, you know, cattle operations, farming, uh, crops, you know, soybeans, wheat, corn, uh, all that jazz. It's, it's, I don't know how to explain it better. Um, but if, if you guys know what I'm talking about, I feel like um, somebody could speak better on my behalf. Well, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. You're absolutely 100% right. We need to keep agriculture and, FF, and, and FFA and farming because that's where our roots started. And I can give you a prime example of this. When I was, we didn't always live on a farm when I was a kid. I think it was, and I might be wrong on this, but I think it was 12. I was 12 years old when we actually moved to a farm. And the last uh, last five years, of being involved in actual agriculture and actual farming and actual problem solving has completely changed me as a person. It's made me from this person who was really shy, kind of scared to take risk to someone who's not really afraid to take risk, who's not afraid to put themselves out there to someone who is willing to learn and willing to listen and also to look at a problem and try to fix it. And, you know, it all started with a batch of a hundred, Broiler chickens grew home for eight weeks, and I grew so much because I had to learn how to put a pin together. I had to learn how to do this and that, and I couldn't have done it without my parents. They have absolutely helped me out a ton, but due to them being able to make it where we could farm and have these experiences, it's grown me as a person. And Don't get me wrong. I'll never stop growing. There's always things I can improve about myself, but having that agriculture and leadership aspect, having that responsibility of having to have animals has kept me more alert and has taught me to be, you know, a better caretaker and a better 
kind of a better person of society, you know, a better person in society is like trying to be a member of public office or being a person that tries to help the community. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and that it's all happened because of agriculture and FFA. And eventually I've gotten to the point where I have my own custom harvesting business too, that where I go around and I custom harvest for guys. So it's having that farming agriculture aspect in there gives you a sense of responsibility and a sense of uh, belonging, I would say. So I a hundred percent agree with you. We can't get it completely knocked out. We have to have to keep it in there. If we want to keep the organization with the same idea and basic principles. Yes. And I believe in tradition as much as anybody does. Um, you know, I wish that, uh, this exact same foundationals, um, that were implemented in 1928 were still with us today, but I, I like change to an extent. I want to say that right. Now. I love, um, the idea of bringing in new ideas, um, to the table. I like the idea of, um, advancing and evolving, um, but at the same, we need to be more traditional of how we do it. Yeah, it's, it's kind, of, it's kind of like the American flag a little bit. It's the colors and the stripes have stayed continuous since it's it was first introduced to the public. But the only thing that's changed is its stars and the ideas. So yeah, I I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's symbolic. It's symbolic. Yeah. If you could change one thing about the FFA or in agriculture in general, what would it be? Oh, if I could change one thing, I would, I wish the market would be more leaning towards farmers. Um, it's getting tough these days to run businesses and agriculture, to run a farm and agriculture. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it, it's just getting tougher for people. And, you know, don't get me wrong. America has been, America farms have been built to withstand tough times. And, you know, we've stand through 19, the 1930s when we had the um, great depression we've been here since you know the 1980s um farm crisis as well but um i i would say if i could change one thing in agriculture in general it would be the general public's thoughts on agriculture and the market itself and what i what i mean by the general public's thoughts on america or thoughts on uh, far american farming is a lot of people think that we don't care you know a lot of people think oh gmos pesticides all these different things are killing us right and it's not you know if you look into the research it's actually you know it could be good to help improve uh, yields and stuff like that but because so many people are far removed from agriculture it becomes harder to show them that hey this is not that bad because you only have two percent of people actually growing the food and the other 90 something are not they're doing other jobs in cities so I would say it would be the general, you know, stigma, and that's what you know you're trying to accomplish with your podcast, and I'm trying to accomplish with my YouTube channel is to teach and show and educate people. Because I think if we could change the thoughts of people's minds, I think that would help improve the market. Because people would be like, "Oh, it's actually not that bad." I, you know, we should support farmers more. So that's that's what I would say is the the market. If I could do that, and the general thought of the American farmer. Yes, and I, I'm a firm believer of education is the best argumentation. Um, you know, I like uh, I love teaching kids, of course, about what I know, but it's also the fact that I love getting taught what I don't know. You see, every episode I record with somebody, I learn something new. Every day I'm with my ag teacher, I learn something new. 
whether it's about him or about the FFA or agriculture, I don't care what it is. It is something I learn every day. Um, now, people, of course, have gone away from their family farms. I think it was, oh, man, I think it was 100 years ago. It was like 50, no, 75% of American families were on farms. I yep. forget the statistics. But um, think about then and then look at now. 75 compared to 2%. Um, now I understand that with, uh, more job opportunities and of course, um, we had two world wars back then. Um, it really changes the lives of people and how they want to pursue life, um, that they want, you know, it's not always going to be, um, leisure and paradise. You got to go work to survive. Um, that's the, I guess, big American dream, you know? have a family, uh, own a nice house, a nice car, have a nice job. But sometimes you got to really put, get your hands dirty to survive. Um, that's what us farmers are trying to do, uh, not only for ourselves, but for the people of this country. Um, and if you look now, we're, we're actually exporting food uh, to other countries that need it, um, such as Ukraine and, of course, our own uh weaponry or ammo or arsenal uh actually um we're just giving it away and i I would hope that um our government like sees that hey we need to be more isolated not in like isolated isolated like north korea but you know be a little bit more private with what we do and what we use i a hundred percent agree with you it's don't get me wrong sometimes you need to get involved in foreign affairs because it could affect your the public but in some cases like you're talking about it doesn't affect us and it does nothing but hurt us i mean one such example that i like to bring up and i like you said earlier i don't like to get political stuff but i want to talk about this is with china china produces a buttload of co2 carbon monoxide it just they produce a lot of it right and then you look over towards the Western powers and we're telling our citizens, hey, you need to stop driving, you know, gas guzzling cars, even though in actuality, electric cars are almost worse for the environment due to the um, effects they have on land after they're just the lithium batteries are done. I think it's like, don't quote me on this. I might be wrong a little bit, but it's like six tons of carbon dioxide are just produced to produce the lithium batteries for the cars. So when when you look at it, you know, we're telling our citizens you need a change to help all these other things. But when we look at across the pond, we're seeing these other industries that are affecting America, but they're really causing these problems as such. In China, it's so the pollution's so bad. You have to wear a mask practically. So I agree with you. We need to stop worrying about what's going on in other c- countries. Sometimes, sometimes we got to get involved and I understand that, but we need to put our own citizens first. That's the point of the U S government is to help its citizens not to, you know, help, you know, other countries across the pond to get their industries going up faster. We need to bring jobs here in America. So I agree with you. It's, it's, we need to look out for our own public sometimes. And I, yeah, that's one thing concerns me to go into the future with agriculture and some things. Yes. It's we, the people, by the people, for the people. 100%. Where do you see agriculture in the next 10 years? Okay, so 
I don't know necessarily. There's two ways I can see this going. And it kind of depends on the next couple of years on how this is all going to pan out. I think for starters, we're going to see, we're either going to see more farmers adapting or adopting autonomous tractors, or we're going to see a larger pushback from farmers with autonomous tractors because I noticed a lot of kids in my generation, they don't like that near as much. They like the older tractors. So I, I highly doubt that would happen. I think the more autonomous tractors are going to come in and into the industry more because we're starting to see that technology now. But I feel like a small part of me feels like there's, there, there's a chance that farmers might push back and say, Hey, we need to just get more simpler machines. These complex things are just bugging the heck out of us. So, that's one thing. The other thing I see possibly happening more future in agriculture with the ingro- the growing population, population is going to be like 9 billion by 2050. Um, and of course, 10 years, that's not quite 2050, but I feel like we're going to start seeing more urban agriculture. So schools maybe adopting more gardens, maybe some vertical farming going on in certain areas to help feed the population. That's one thing I possibly could see happening. Um, but as like in agriculture, soybeans, corns and corn and, we, I think it's either going to be, there's going to be a large push towards autonomous vehicles or there might be a large pushback against them. But I, it's most likely going to be more autonomous because it's more precise and we can grow more food for people. But that, that's what I would say. <laughs> I, I agree. I do. Um, but at the same time, I believe in uh, power of the people. You know, I refuse to go to the self-checkout at Walmart. Um, yes. Because... I want people to have the opportunity to, you know, see people while working and actually earn their income. Um, I hate it when people go to the self-checkout at any store. I feel like the self-checkout, it's a good idea. It's a good concept. And, you know, it saves money for businesses uh, having to, you know, cut down on labor costs. But at the same time, it's it's not giving jobs to those who need it. Um, And, you know, like you just said, it's going to be more autonomous um, or maybe a pushback. But really, those people who have knowledge about agriculture should really go into agriculture and actually take up those jobs uh, instead of letting robots take over. Um, yeah, I absolutely hate the idea of AI generated stuff. Uh, jet chat GPT. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah. The AI TikTok music. I don't. I, I. I guess it's funny, but at the same time, it's stupid. Um. I. I feel like us people need to be more, uh, creative with what we do, uh, income wise, instead of relying on uh, machines. Yeah. So well, and see, see, the re- reason there's this push for Thomas Beagles is you're bringing this up is jobs. Farmers are getting older. The average age, I think, is like 60 to 70, somewhere in there. Don't quote me on that. And we're seeing less kids on the farm. So that means, well, this farmer's getting older. It's getting harder for him to take care of his livestock. He needs some help. And so then that introduces, well, AI can help. And then you get to, well, AI can help. AI can take over. Well, the AI is doing a better job managing the farm than the farmer can. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I I feel like more people need to do the jobs that we're trying to give to robots and i get it robots can be more precise as things and there's certain applications i do believe that we need to have some sort of ai like for precision planting with with uh counting yield that helps the farmer overall to look at what they can do better 
But if you leave it at that, then the farmer can make those decisions. So I agree with you. It, it's it, the autonomous things. It's it's cool. Don't get me wrong. But I agree with you. I, w- I wish we would go back more towards just people doing robots jobs. Yes. So what is your plan for after high school, if you have one? Oh, okay. So um, the thing I'm thinking of doing right now is going into ag business. Uh, there's a local community college where I near where I live, and um, I'm thinking about going there for two years. And then if I can get a job after that as like a marketing or analytics specialist, then great. Um, if I can't, then I guess I'll have to go to a bigger college for two more years. I'm not really keen on having to do that because I don't want to have to pour a lot of money into college because I like to eventually have my own farm and actually have acres to run and actually get to have my own crops to harvest and do that kind of thing. But if I'm in debt to the bank, then that becomes a problem. So it's, um, that's the plan. But as I always like to say, my plan's probably a lot different than what God's plan is. So we'll, we'll see what actually pans out in the next couple of years. But, uh, that's what I'm thinking. If all else fails, then maybe I'll drive trucks, but, um, yeah. I actually have huge respect for uh, truck drivers. You know, every time I'm on the road, um, so my town actually has one of the major highways, um, Highway 75 Interstate, um, runs all the way through Tulsa. You know, Tulsa connects to the Route 66. Um, my highway goes up to Kansas, um, and I think it runs through, I think, North Dakota. It's, it's a major road, uh, the one I live on. And every time I'm on that road, I'm always looking for truck drivers. And I do that little horn thing, you know, the toot toot. And oh, yeah. I get it every single time. I <laughs> I love truck drivers for that. Um, and I have a huge respect for them because they're they're sacrificing themselves uh, from their families and their time. Because, uh, you know, driving a truck for hours on end um, can get really boring unless you're like me and like to have 19 hour playlists of music, you know. Um, or maybe like a little cabin buddy, you know, like a dog, cow, or maybe a monkey. Um, you know, I, I feel like they uh, are underappreciated. And I know, agree. A, a little thing like a toot toot out of your uh, car window can brighten up their day. I absolutely 100% agree with you. And I saw something the other day this driver was just completely being, I don't know, if they weren't paying attention or they just didn't care. They were just being reckless around these truck drivers. And it's like, these guys have these huge loads that they have to take down the lo- down the road. If it doesn't get to its location, then it's, well, why it didn't get to its location? And even if, like, you caught, ca- even if, a, like, a car driver causes the accident, they're probably going to be blamed with it because they have the big truck. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I have a lot of, a lot of respect for those guys. I have a friend who is a truck driver. He drives, um, <clears throat> excuse me. A truck for K manufacturing out here near, I think it's Cedar Falls. Uh, they create these big tanks for uh, diesel and gas. But yeah, I agree with you. I have a lot of, lot of respect for those guys. So I want to know about your SAEs, your CDEs, and your LDEs. For those who don't know, an SAE is a supervised agricultural experience, a CDE is a career development event. And an LDE is a leadership development event. Okay. Do you want me to start with CDEs? Uh, whatever you want. Okay. So I've done dairy cattle judging and dairy foods judging, which I did those on separate years because they fall in the same event. Then I did meats judging, 
horticulture, floriculture, um, animal judging. I think I did one year. Soils judging. I did one year. Uh, poultry judging. I did one other, but it's I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I've uh, done that. Then my SAE is custom harvesting and showing animals at the local fair. Um, we just raise animals for local fair. We don't show professionally, as I like to say. Um, they're just we have them as freezer fillers, or we'll sell some of the meat to people who want some meat. Um, and then uh, let's see. My LDE's leadership development events. So for the last three years, I've done extemporaneous speaking. I play. I was the champion last year at my district. Uh, shout out to the Northeast District of Iowa. Um, now with LDE's, I last last two years and this year, I've helped with Ag CSI. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Ag CSI is. It's basically an event where kids can, um, in 7th and 8th grade, because they don't really have a lot of opportunities in FFA to get to go to events, they get to go to leadership development event, and um, they get to present a project. So last, so they give them a couple options, and it's figure out how to grow food somewhere. So I think if I remember correctly, last year was how to grow food in the desert or how to grow food on Mars, and they chose how to grow food on Mars. So they had to figure out how do you get the food and yourselves there, how are you going to set up the base? What's the base going to look like? Um, the way we do it is we give, they make a 3D model, which these guys made a killer 3D model. Um, then they put together a really great presentation, kind of explaining what they do. And each of them have to have like a quote unquote job. Someone has to be like the mechanic. Someone has to be the horticulturist. And they have to explain what their job entails and what they'll help on, on with in the crew. Um, and then once they're done presenting all of that, then they have to answer questions from the judges. And last year was the first time in five years our Ag CSI team actually got to go to state because they won the CDE contest at our uh, district. So um, I, I love doing extemporaneous speaking. It's a lot of fun. Basically, I get the full fun facts and um, just come up with a speech really, really quick. Um and I will say this, my first year I did it, I was not very good at it. I didn't even make it past the first rounds of elimination. But the next year I got a little bit better. I actually got to go to the district contest. But um, at districts, I didn't do too well. <coughs> then this last year I did really good at districts. I won in first place. So then I got to go to the state with it. So um, when I um, – that was the first time someone in our chapter ever actually made it to state with extemporaneous speaking. So – then I did, I did okay at state. I didn't do great. I, I did okay. I got some stuff to learn. Um, the way state and districts judge is very, very different. I've learned, but, um, basically next year, my goal is to try to win state. So I've enjoyed it. It's a ton of fun. I highly suggest if you've never done extemporaneous speaking, you do it. You basically, you're given, I think it's 20 minutes to prep a speech. You give the speech. It's like a five minute spiel. And then you just kind of explain everything. So it's, it's always fun. I've enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, that and I guess you can sit consider helping AXCSI for the last two years. I've that's what I've done for LEDs. That's actually really cool. I love the idea of AXCSI. Um, you know, giving the younger kids a little bit of an insight of what they're going to expect. Um, in you know the big boy uh, club, as you could say. Um, 
<laughs> I, I love how they gave him two choices, you know, Mars and the, the desert. Um, personally, I would have done the desert because there is a very funny video um, floating around the internet about this guy. He's a comedian. He's like, um, you know, why don't you go where the food is? You know, nothing grows out here. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that video so much. Oh my gosh. So I would have based it off of that video and I would hope I get a pretty good score on that. I, I feel like um, what I learn off the internet can really show off um, <laughs> pretty well because I, I love TikTok. I love YouTube. Um, I scroll on Facebook, you know, here and there. And, you know, some of the knowledge I get just from stupidity can actually put up um, a pretty good fight, a pretty good argument for what I know. So. I mean, yeah, when you bring that element of comedy, when people and it's it's the same thing when like when you're in debates and stuff, you have to make people feel comfortable because if you don't, then it just turns into bickering about, well, well, we should do this, though, we should do that. If everyone can just relax and kind of stay calm, then that helps a ton when you're trying to make an argument or when you're trying to get present some facts. So, yeah, that's I'll have to bring some comedy. The kids this year are doing growing food underwater and. We're going to try to put their 3D model actually in water. So we'll see if that works. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Having that element of comedy in there helps a ton. I, I try doing that with my speeches too, you know. Um, I, I feel like uh, most speeches are a little bit too serious, if you ask me. Um, yeah. And, you know, some of the, the top notches um, are just, you know, they're not interesting to me. Um, I'm not going to bash them, but you know, I, I like to have a little bit of fun. Um, I love to laugh. I know it hasn't really been a laughing matter the last oh. month or so, but like any chance I got to laugh, I laughed as hard as I could. Cause I, I love having fun. It's, it's, it's me. I love, um, being around people who like to have a good time. Yeah. But well, you were saying earlier, you, you like history, right? I love history so much. Oh my God. Have you well? I'm pretty big history, uh, but nerd too. But um, have you ever heard of oversimplified? Yes, I do. Yes, awesome. Yes, yes the little state figures with the round heads. Yes. Um, oh. So, the reason why I love history even more is because this year I have one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. His name is Coach Close. He is a three-time national championship winner for North Dakota State football from, I think, 82 to 85. I forgot what years, but he played in the 80s. Um, he has traveled to 49 countries. He has visited all 50 states. He drives a blue Mustang. Um, he's the track coach. And he is the world's biggest Civil War nerd ever. Every no. single battlefield that is documented in the states uh after the civil war he has been to and he knows the exact spot where some of those people have been killed uh or shot or something that has happened he has been there wow so okay now you bring that up i gotta tell you this so we actually are civil war reenactors oh um no way yes way so (laughs) it's kind of funny how we got into it so Luke, my younger brother, he's kind of like what you're saying. He's a huge Civil War nerd. He could tell you it. Uh, he's not so much battlefields, but he could tell you any fact about anyone who was significant in the Civil War. He could tell you some detailed things about um, what would happen during the battles. 
he's very, very educated on like the life of a soldier and what the soldier's life was like. And so, um, I'm assuming you do you know where Galena, Illinois is? No, I don't. No, okay. So that's for those of you who don't know, that's the home of Grant. That's where he was born. Okay. Um, and I used to be a Boy Scout um, before I uh, I got out of it in middle school and I kind of went more for H and FA. But anyways, one of the last trips I did was going to Galena, Illinois. And this is kind of when Luke was starting to become a real history nerd. And um, by the way, the kid's like uh, 12, 12, yeah. And um, basically, we went to the Civil War enactment and we're like, whoa, that's cool. And he's like, well, that's really cool. So we went back the next year to go find see it again. And he was wearing a Civil War, like a, like a Halloween Civil War costume. It wasn't authentic by any means. Um, but, it, you know, he was wearing it to this event, and, you know, he was having a fun time. And one of the guys um, actually gave him a real coat. They gave him a real hat, like what the soldiers would have wore. Uh, it's like a replica. And he was the guide on the guide on basically stood next to the captain. So in the chaoticness of battle, if a captain or a CEO had to come back and talk to the cat or to the main leader, they could figure out where they were and all the smoke because there was a big bright flag right next to them. So he got to be a guide on next to the big head honcho captain. And um, when the cannon guys said, hey, you should come this next reenactment we're going to next weekend in Morton, Illinois. We go to Morton, Illinois, expecting just to have Luke be a guide on again. We leave me, my dad, my brother, and my mom all being Civil War reenactors now. So she, like, reenact, my mom reenacts, like, uh, women in the Civil War, what life was like um, at home, why the men were away, or what the women would have done as jobs to help men on the battlefields, or all that kind of stuff. And she's even participated actually as a reenactor, is like shooting the guns and stuff. But uh, we basically went to this reenactment. Luke was just going to be a guide on, right? And the captain of this other unit, uh, the Illinois 47th Illinois Infantry, uh, his name is Alex Timmerman. He looked at me and my dad and Luke, and he's like, you know what? You're not going to be a guide on today. You're going to join the infantry. So he handed me and my dad guns, and he gave Luke a gun too. Uh, but they didn't give him any powder, but they gave me and, me and my dad powder to fire. And uh, basically... We went from having no experience to being thrown these uniforms and say, put these on, march in the line, we're going to battle. So that's how we got started in it. And we've been doing it, uh, geez, the last four or five years. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm actually kind of jealous. I think my coach would be a little bit jealous of that because um, he has no kids. He doesn't have a wife. He is a bachelor forever. Um, and he has all the time in the world to go do that. I feel like he would be. Um, the perfect man to go do that. Um, one man he's always preaching about is Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain and the, uh, and the 50, 50 set. I forgot which man was, um, he's going to be really mad at me now. Um, but that main, uh, regiment, you know, on little round top at Gettysburg, he's always preaching about that man and how he got shot, um, at Petersburg, you know, double hip shot. And, uh, <laughs> a little funny story about that. Um, whenever my coach went to Petersburg to figure out the exact spot where Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain got the double hip shot, uh, the park ranger was like, do you really want to know where he was shot at? And so he's like, heck yes, I do. He's my man crush. And so, <laughs> and so 
no, this is this is the funny part. He goes, the park ranger shows him the exact spot where he got shot, and they built a McDonald's on it. You're kidding. They built a McDonald's by an auto zone. Oh my gosh, you are kidding. I'm not kidding. It's in Peter. I, I when he he actually took a picture of the back of the McDonald's where he was shot at, and I'm like, dude, you are the most insane but coolest person I'll ever meet. He better have had a Big Mac in his honor. I don't know, but I, I feel like it is pretty fun. That is uh, that is that is neat and crazy and holy cow, that is that's cool. Yeah. Well, besides McDonald's being there, but it's cool he went there. Oh, he's an awesome guy. So, tell me something about your topic. I, I forgot what the topic was about, but um, you wanted to bring it up, and I forgot what it was because uh, it kind of got clouded in my mind. But would you like to share a little bit about that? Oh, uh, sure. For So, for those of you who, do, who don't know, um, my family actually had roots in farming before we came to Iowa. My dad grew up on a small farm and uh, was, well, it's not Boswell, it's Brookston, Indiana. And um, basically the story I wanted to tell you was how, so we would go back there for harvesting for a really, really long time. And um, I think it was until I was nine, we kind of had this falling out. There was some things happened and um, basically I was cut off from agriculture completely. Um, Just cold stop, nothing was going to happen, right? Um, and this is where I was talking earlier. I was very fortunate. My parents were able to pull the funds together to get us, get me and my brother out here on a farm. And, um, the reason I wanted to bring this up is even though I lost that, you know, connection with agriculture for a while, the, uh, thought of being agriculture and the love for being agriculture never, ever lost my mind. I always remember riding in a combine with dad or riding in a grain cart with mom. I don't, don't remember much grandpa or, uh, his uh, brother, but um, I always remember the agriculture part and the loving being in a combine and stuff. So when I turned, and I was telling you about this earlier with my custom harvesting business, when I turned, was it, oh, hang on, I got to think here. It was in 21 about the combine, so uh, two-ish to three-ish years ago, um, I bought the John Deere 4400. For those of you who don't know what a John Deere 4400 is, it's about a 40-year-old combine. Mine was built in 78. Um, and basically, it has a 100-horsepower engine, a 100-bushel grain tank, and a four-row corn head. So it's it's a smaller machine, but even though I – the thing I wanted to bring up was even though I lost that connection to agriculture, the love of agriculture never left me, and the love of wanting to be in it never left me. And being able to be an FFA and being able to be in 4-H and being able to be lucky enough to finally get to be on a farm again brought me the opportunity to get to be part of agriculture again. And basically the thing is, if you, even if you lose sight of something, even if you lose connection to something, doesn't mean you're out of the game. You know, I thought for a long time I'd never get to have the opportunity to be in a tractor or combine again. But it, look, here I am now getting to run my own custom harvesting business and hopefully here in the next couple of years buy equipment to start farming myself. So that's the biggest thing for me is don't ever give up. Even though times look tough, even though things don't work out, give it time and give it your all because it can really work out for you in the end. And um, the other part of it too is I remember being a kid and wanting to show animals forever. And um, 
I wanted to just show pigs. And now we do pigs, chickens, cows, horses, rabbits, ducks, goats. I'll call ourselves a funny farm. But um, having these different connections in different areas has also shown me different ways to farm. I used to think to farm you had to have a semi, a tractor, and a combine. That's not necessarily true. There's different ways of operating a farm. There's different pe- different types of operations there's different sizes of farms you don't need to have the biggest best new x9 combine on your farm if a little old john deere 4400 works it works and you make it work and it's having these unique opportunities has taught me how to be you know pushing and taught me how to be able to make connections so that's the biggest thing i wanted to share with everyone is even though i lost that connection the love for agriculture never left me and eventually and now I'm getting to a spot where I actually get to be fully involved in it again. That's beautiful, man. I, I, I don't, I didn't remember what you texted me at, at first about, but I'm glad I brought it up again. Um, you know, I've, I feel like, um, this speaks on me too. Um, my teacher's like, dude, where have you been the last month? And, you know, I'm, I've, I've been busy. Um, things just haven't really gone my way. Um, I'm, I've been getting distracted with, you know, uh, all these hospital, uh, bills coming at our way, uh, chemo on my brother's girlfriend, my brother's stressing out over, uh, getting the bills paid on his end. Um, you know, I have to take care of my girlfriend because, you know, um, I like to spoil her. I feel like she deserves everything, uh, that she wants. You know, I, I like to keep her happy. And of course I got, um, all these responsibilities at school besides the FFA and you know it's just like dude where have you been um and you know this podcast has been like dude are you going to post again um if you know Bobby Ray Stout he was um one of my episodes from I think August I got to interview him he's a a Georgia state officer he's like hey um what are you going to post again I've I've been waiting for a new episode I'm like well, lucky for you, I got one planned for 3 p.m. tomorrow more, uh, afternoon. And he's like, heck yeah, I can't wait. So, you know, that connection I've lost uh, because of everything that's been going on in my life the last month, um, it never, like, occurred to me until now um, that I really do miss it. I, I missed everything because of uh, my own stress, my own problems. Um, but those problems I really do need to talk about. And thankfully my girlfriend got on to me about that. She's like, Hey, you need to talk to me about your problems. Well, I can't read your mind, dude. You have to talk to me. I'm like, okay then. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up that, uh, those connections to ag that you lost, you'd never actually lost. You just had to come back to it one way or another. Yeah. And, and like I said, don't ever lose hope or, you know, things happen and, they happen sometimes slower than you would like or faster than you like. So enjoy the moments while you can, but also don't rush it. And, you know, and I, I hope everything goes well with your brother. And like I said, she will, or your brother's girlfriend. Uh, I hope everything goes well with her and, you know, she'll be in her prayers, but I'm sure everything will. And that's, that's the thing I've learned the most is everything happens at its own pace and being able to learn how to, look at something and just give up and, you know, learning how to cope and work with things. Because there was um, last year when I was posted on the YouTube channel, there was a month or two I lost 
basically all the time and I didn't post a video for a month and I hardly recorded anything. So I get what you're saying. It, it gets tough sometimes, but you know, you got this man and don't ever give up hope. You you're doing a good job. It's just sometimes life gets crazy and life gets out of control and, but always learning how to cope with it and learning how to work around it. That's the thing I've learned the most from agriculture. And that's the thing I'm the most grateful for. Oh yeah. And Hey, I appreciate it, man. I really do. I truly do. Anytime. Away from the sappiness. Um, I got some fun questions because I'm just a really fun guy asked to say so myself. Um, I want to know <laughs> your funniest FFA moment or moments. Oh boy. I got a couple. You want to hear them? Heck yeah, I do. Okay. So starting with one of the most, um, recent ones um i was at the iowa state fair i was helping usher uh by the way for those of you who don't know what ushering is well ushering is you get to help usher at the state fair you get to help people get to their seats and you basically help enforce some of the rules um great sidebar did you get to meet uh trey voller yeah i think so yes yes he he was um i think episode 11 yeah yeah and bring that up yeah he was a super nice guy um but anyways um <laughs> it was it was really awesome it was fun um there were some stressful moments but the funniest one that i still laugh about to this day was there was this really sweet grandma she was at this uh backstreet boys concert with yeah. uh, um, her daughter right and um she came up to me, and there's this line people can't cross because it's like a safety line because if someone wants to get hurt, we need to rush them out, right? Um, and she stepped over it, and I, I went up to her and asked, hey, you know, can you step back? And she was really nice. She stepped back, no problem, right? She disappears for a minute, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess she went to go get herself a drink or something. She comes back with Snickers bar and tries to bribe me with a Snickers bar. <laughs> and that, that's not the end of it. And I'm like, ma'am, I can't accept that. She's like, okay. She pulls out a whole entire thing of barbecue Lay's potato chips out of her purse. And it's like the family pack or the party pack, the big one. I don't know how she even fit it in there. She starts eating them. And she tries to offer the bag to me. I'm like, ma'am, I can't do that. She's like, okay. So then she goes back. I don't know where she goes. She comes back with an adult beverage and tries to offer it to me. And I'm like, ma'am. I can't do that. And she's like, oh, well. And then she runs off somewhere else. I don't know where she went, but that's probably one of the funnier moments um, from the state fair. Um, like I said, she was really, really sweet. It just was <laughs> a I, slow I love, progression. I love old people. They're, oh, they're, they're the so, best. They're so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she was having a fun time, too. She didn't let you forget it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Then, um, so then I went to WLC this past summer as well and, um, uh, met a lot of really great people out there. Um, shout out to all of you guys. Um, but so we each have these small community groups. So there's the large group sessions and there's community group sessions, right? And a uh, community group, basically you meet with your smaller groups and each ha each group has its own name. Okay. So like, I think there was the conductors, uh, the explorers, the fireworks, we were the igniters, okay? And whenever you're in large group, they ask you if you if they're asking people to answer questions, um, they'll go up to you if you get raise your hand and they'll say, Hey, what's your name and what group are you from? Right. Well, 
they come up to me this one time. I can't remember what the question was about. And they asked me what my name and what my, you know, all that stuff was. And they get to what's your community group part, right? And we're the igniters, right? Um, I accidentally said, I'm from the fire starters. So <laughs> now our um, group chat is called the fire starters. And they've never, ever let me forget. I uh, made that mistake. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I love stories where you're like super embarrassed about it, but it's just so funny to look at it right now. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, love, I love this story because um, her and I are still pretty good friends and she's, she's still like my sister. Um, but I about, I about died multiple times because of um, the front seat, you know, oh. um, so it's <laughs> yeah. always, it's always the suburban. Um, we were coming back home from a, a CDE competition, and so we decided to stop at Cheddar's in Tulsa, get some food. You know, we're nice, uh, happy and fat. We're satisfied. Um, we get back in the Suburban. My stuff has been up front the entire day. I don't want to move back in the back seat because, um, A, I don't sleep in cars. I, it's uncomfortable for me. I just can't sleep in cars. Um, B, I like talking to my ag teacher. I don't know if he likes talking to me, but it's fine. And see, I just love um, the view of like the front windshield and my window. I do not like having to stare at the same window at the, the entire time. Um, I don't care if anybody else has the aux. I truly don't care because their music is actually pretty good. But anyway, um, my friend Marissa goes, hey, Jake, I want the front seat. I'm telling her my gist. And she's like, no. I want it. So I get up front. I close my door. She flings my door open. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And she goes, Jake, I want to count to three, and you better get out. I want to drag you out. I'm like, okay. One, two. And then I said, three, four, how about you shut my door? I slammed my, <laughs> slam my door shut. I locked my door. And my ag teacher, he's howling his head off because he's never seen that before. And Marissa's face is bright red. You can see the steam coming out of her ears. And she just goes to the back seat. She doesn't talk to me for the rest of the day. And I'm like, this was the best moment I've had yet. I, I've never... I've never gotten anybody so mad before in my life. Oh I'm my like, god, that was golden. I love that story. Yeah, you've said that in a couple other podcasts. That always makes me freaking laugh. That is, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, funnier in person, though. Right, but it's it's still funny. <laughs> um, I do got one more if you want. Well, two more if you want to hear them. Uh, um, let's go. Let's go one more. One more. Okay. So, um, when I first joined FFA, um, I was on, I, what was it? It was, yeah, my late freshman year. So yeah, end of freshman year, early sophomore year, I became sentinel of our chapter. Okay. And we take, um, a chapter or we always had a chapter officer bonding. Right. So um, I guess an officer tree is a better way to describe it. And we went down to these log cabins. It's somewhere south of where I live. I can't remember where it was or what it was called. Um, anyways, um, one of the gals on, it was, what was it? It basically rained all day, okay? And we get to this place, and we're shooting hoops on the basketball court, right? And there's a big puddle in the middle of the basketball court, okay? And being the freshman I was at the time, I just say, hey, I want to jump in that puddle, right? <laughs> and our president at the time 
basically screamed at me, or no, she wasn't our president. She was our, I think it was our reporter at the time, said, JT, don't do that. And as I jumped to the puddle, I slipped back and... <laughs> oh, no. Basically, <laughs> slipped and hit my back on the back of this puddle, or on this puddle, so that <laughs> that was fun. Oh, my gosh. Um, I did grind my thumb uh, my freshman year, and that really hurt. Um, my ag teacher told me to cut off a chain link off of the uh, Christmas float that we built and, you know, doing what I was told, um, I went to go do it. And I've been using a grinder all day because uh, a family friend asked my brother and I to help him uh, fix a trailer. So, you know, we're welding, we're grinding, we're cutting metal and such. I've been using gloves all day. I'm like, you know what? I don't need gloves right now. It's fine. It's just this little chain link. Bad oh, idea. No. Um, pretty bad. It's gross. It's like that for like a month. And oh my gosh, I got a picture of it somewhere. Um, but yeah, I learned my lesson. Oh my gosh. That, uh, that does not sound like fun. Holy well, cow. Hey, once you uh, see your thing or two, you know a thing or two. <laughs> we are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Amen to that. <laughs> well, so did you have to go like the yard or something that night, or did you just chip a little bit off? Or nope. So my ag teacher, he got some T Rex tape. Uh, he told me to wash it off. Uh, got some paper towels, and I was fine. Good deal. The old farmer bandage. I like it. Yeah, and my brother, he was telling me to use super glue, but I'm not going to do that because I don't like the. Uh the the smell of his glue for some it's just it's just a weird glue i can't really, really explain what it is but it's just a weird glue that he uses because he he uh he works at a uh oil filled pipe and supply company in my town yeah and uh, always getting his hands grubby and cut up so he uses quite a bit of super glue so um, i don't i don't like using it understandable it does have a weird smell to it i'm it sounds like it's a different one than what i'm used to but it does work if you're in a pinch. I will say that much. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Today's sponsor is Damien's Pizza of Dewey, Oklahoma. Thank you to Christy Howard for being uh, the sweet lady she is and owning Damien's Pizza. Love you to death. Uh, thank you for such a good meal all day, every day. Um, can't wait to uh, shout you out on further more episodes. JT, do you have any advice for me or my uh, other listeners? Well, I would say my first advice is go eat Damien's Pizza because it sounds pretty good. Oh, yeah, um, it's really good. I would say my other advice for future FFA members, non-FFA members, whatever you're doing in life, don't ever give up hope. If you want something bad enough, keep working at it day in and day out. I know some days... Things might seem gray. It might not seem like it's all going to work out, but trust me, it, it works out. God has a plan for you, and, th and things eventually do work out. Just give things time, and um, yeah. Yeah, God, ha God has a plan for you no matter what. Um, sometimes you just got to trust the process. Um, I've had to trust the process for God knows how long, and it, it, it paid off. I'll tell you that. It's really paid off. Yeah, it. That, I agree. Any, I agree with you. Do you have any questions for me? Well, I would say what's um. I was going to ask you something. I forgot. What's the most interesting thing you've ever learned from an FFA member? 
from an FFA member. Hmm. What what's what's something good that I've learned from an FFA in my chapter or like um anybody? anything anything and anywhere. Heck, if it even it would have to be shoot. There's just so many good ones. I'm gonna give her another shout out. Uh Jocelyn James, she is the Lada FFA president. She is from down south, Oklahoma. Um, she has taught me the importance of water conservation in my state. And, you know, um, both of us are Native Americans and that bill that she made, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say made, but, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not proposed, proposed. Yes. Um, to legislator back in, I think June or July, uh, during the Capitol camp. Um, it really opened up my eyes to see like, hey, we should really uh, be more careful on who we give our water to and how we use it. Because uh, at that same time, my county was under water restrictions because we haven't had rain in months. It was close to two years since we have uh, any rain. And um, our lake levels are back up to normal, but we still got to be a little bit careful now. Uh, water restrictions are up. They're lifted, but still, it's uh, it's a little bit um, rocky to even use our water anymore. Um, but you know that bill that she proposed like opened up my eyes, and I actually dug deeper into it because um, you know I'm I'm interested in what I'm being told, and I'm interested in what I have to know, uh, not only for myself but for the people in my community. It's um, you know, water is the basic need for life besides you know shelter and air. Um, and a, a food source. It's it's something that everything that is alive needs. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like what she has taught me then has really like affected me more on how I use my water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you've spoke about her before in the other um, episodes. But yeah, that's it's something I've never even thought of, which. You know, it's it's interesting how much water conservation affects people, and which I've never had to worry about too much here in Iowa. We get we're almost a little too wet sometimes, but yeah, that's uh, I've never even thought about that till I started hearing your podcast. And again, that's one of those things where I was like, wow, I I never even thought about that before. I didn't even know that. It's kind of like occasion's not a season in anymore. Oh, okay, I didn't know that, but um, yeah. Yeah, we had a pretty good uh, storm the other night, but that was probably like a good three hour storm. It went by pretty quick and now all that water's gone. Right. Um, so it, it, it's really bad up here in Oklahoma. Yeah, I feel bad for you guys. If I could, I would send some of the rain we're getting right now to you, but uh, I don't think that works like that. <laughs> uh, do you have any more questions for me? Well, can we meet up at National Convention? Can we take a video together? Would you mind that for the YouTube channel? Of course, dude. I, I'm actually super excited for nationals this year. Um, I have a whole bunch of people who are uh, on my list to meet. Uh, several state officer teams, uh, Nevada, Utah, Oregon, Hawaii, um, Montana. I think I've already mentioned them. Georgia, even my own state officer team, Oklahoma. I am super excited to see everybody, um, my guests on the show, my listeners of the show. I just can't wait to see everybody's beautiful face um at the sea of blue in indianapolis and in, i think three weeks now yeah yep. three, it's going to be a 
uh, lifetime event for me. Uh, I've never been that far uh, away from home, and I feel like it's going to be uh, wide uh, eye opening. I just I just can't wait. Okay, so a little bit of advice I want to give to you as someone who's went to national convention before. No matter how expensive the food is outside or inside convention hall, do not go through the Culver's line like 15 times, okay? I uh, I was short on cash one year, or I didn't feel like paying 15 bucks for a chicken basket, and I went through the Culver's line a little too much, and I, uh, well, I didn't feel the greatest that night. So, um, yeah. Well, I that's one thing I like about traveling. I like uh, to try out new places. So Culver's is on top of my list to, to try out because we, oh, we don't have, we don't have one. Enough. Oh my God. You don't have those up out there. Do you? Nope. But Hey, we got Brahms. We got Sonic. Sonic's good. We got canes. So. Yeah. Uh, any more questions for me? Um, what's your plans after you get out of FFA and all this? <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't say uh, getting out of it yet. Um, I plan on running for state office as the uh, Oklahoma FFA state secretary. Um, that is dead set on my heart because I feel like um, my state association has really uh, done a lot for me, and I want to do a lot for them. So uh, that's one thing. And also the perk of being an officer um, for the state of Oklahoma, you can go to Oklahoma State. Uh, your freshman year as a state officer. And then if you get elected state president, you're a sophomore at Oklahoma state. Um, and you, I just can't wait for that college experience at Oklahoma state university. It is my all time favorite uh, university. I root for my pokes, go Cowboys. Um, and, you know, I just can't wait for the, uh, the Saturday night lights um, at Boone Pickens stadium. You know, I love uh, big 12 championships uh, they're in a, we haven't gone to championships since 2020. What am I talking about? Um, uh, games and such, football, basketball, hockey, even soccer and softball. I love everything uh, sports-wise by my pokes. Um, I'm also going to be uh, double majoring in agriculture education and ag comm. So um, those degrees I'll be using to become an ag teacher for any school that needs one in uh, Oklahoma. Or if uh, life takes us to Arkansas, which is where my girlfriend wants to go to, um, I'll be an ag teacher in Arkansas. Well, dude, I think you would make a great addition to any state officer team. And I hope I wish you and hope you the best. I think you would be great state secretary. I really, really do think you would be a good one. Even state president, I can see. I think you got the energy and the, the know-how and the caringness to do it. Well, I appreciate it, man. And um, I want to say it right now, if it wasn't for my chapter officer team, uh, being, you know, advice givers to me, I probably wouldn't be, uh, the person I am right now. You know, um, I owe a lot to them. They're one of my, uh, greatest friends. I, I owe a lot to them. So well, it's, it's not solely on one person. Um, it's a family. Right. Well, I wish you the best of luck, man, and I'm sure you'll get it. I, I don't really see how you couldn't get it. I mean, you seem like a really great candidate for it. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope the rest of Oklahoma uh, sees that. I really do. If not, um, whoever gets it, they deserve it way more than I do, and I will applaud them because um, anybody who is on the state officer team, they deserve it. They have worked very hard, and, um, yeah, I, I just can't wait to see um, how far – 
uh, the FFA goes, not only in Oklahoma, but nationally. I appreciate that attitude you have there a lot. I think that's a lot of people get too cut throat sometimes with it. And I, I think that's a good way of looking at it is, hey, even if I don't get it, other people deserve it. So good on you, man. As always, why are we here? Because we believe. Because we believe. Everybody, this is JT Thomas, a.k.a. JT the Ag Guy from Independence, Iowa. Everybody, make it a great day and be kind to somebody.